Just in the offering basket. Well, good morning. It is 9.02, so we should get started. Uh, I am not Craig, uh, as you can tell. I had to. You're a lightweight. I had to lower this. Um, but uh, we could be praying for Craig, and I will in a bit. He's uh, under the weather, um, but he's preaching this morning. Um, so uh, he's, he's on the schedule, so, I, you know, unless one of you guys want to pinch hit. Um, but uh, Davey, you up for it? So we can be praying for him. He, something hit him, and he's been resting up, but still feeling under the weather and not here. I was planning on teaching Sunday school, um, but uh, he's, he usually joins us. Um, but welcome, welcome back, Dan. Uh, but we are going to be talking today about glorification. Um, so we're we are in a series on eschatology, a series of the last things, um, and um, we've been talking about kind of the big picture things. But today we're going to be talking about glorification. We'll get into the all the specifics of it. Let me read this. Um, Definition. If you don't have notes, uh, my assistant, John, is passing those out. Uh, thanks, John. Um, and uh, there are two pages. I didn't print them front and back, so you have two pages on that. Let me read this definition. This is uh, from... Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, we will we'll pray. We'll pray. I'm just... Um, let me read this definition. This is from Wayne Grudem. I just want to get our brains focused and then then we'll we'll pray it says this glorification is the final step in the application of redemption um, so we are being we are the redeemed those who have trusted in christ are redeemed and glorification is that final step it will happen when christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunites them with their souls and changes the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like his own. Um, and I thought that was a helpful definition, and we'll be um, looking into those things as far as the timing and the um, what the bodies will be like. Um, but as I said, we'll be talking about glorification, and we're going to be answering the question, so... What's, what happens to me in, in the eschaton, in eschatology? What happens to, to us personally? Because we've been um, talking about eschatology and looking at what happens on a grand scale of things, but what happens to me, to my soul, to my body? And the shorter answer is you will be glorified. Uh, but the question still remains, what is glorification? When does it happen? Um, what will a glorified or resurrected body be like? Um, and that's what we're going to be looking into today. Um, and let me just say this and then we'll pray. I, I want the things that we talk about today to be a source of hope to us. Um, oftentimes in Scripture, as the, the idea of glorification is talked about, it's, it comes along with this idea of hope. Um, As we talk about what we will become, let it be like a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and be, be looking for this as we talk about these things today. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into this. 
Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing these people here. Um, Would you um, bless our time looking into your word and the truths of it? Would you encourage us by the idea and the truth, the the doctrine of glorification this morning? Um, Open your word to us. Um, We do ask for Pastor Craig. Um, uh, We are grateful for him. Um, I ask that you would give him strength um, in his body this morning. Uh, Someday he will have a glorified body, but uh, he doesn't and we don't today, and we deal with sickness and tiredness and health issues. Would you strengthen him, Father, to preach to us today? Would you allow him to minister to us? Um, Strengthen Amanda and and the kids as well. Um, Bless our morning in Christ's name. Amen. So, number one on your notes, resurrection has been spoken of throughout Scripture. The the idea of resurrection, glorification and resurrection come together in in one package. When our bodies are, in the end, resurrected, we will be resurrected to, um, to, uh, in in our glorified bodies, Um, and so resurrection is this idea that's been spoken of throughout Scripture. I listed a lot of Scriptures there for you. You can go and you can study this on your own. We won't be looking at all of them. Uh, but let's look at some of the Old Testament ones. Now turn to Job chapter 19. Job is actually the first um, written book of Scripture. It's not obviously the book that records the oldest things in Scripture. That would be Genesis. Um, But Job was the book of Scripture that was written first. Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 26, Job says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. In verse 27, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. So Job has this understanding and this belief that his, his skin will be destroyed, his flesh will be destroyed, yet at the end his Redeemer lives and he's going to stand upon the earth and in his flesh he shall see God. And, and he's going to have this relationship with God. I'm going to see him for myself. My eyes shall behold him. Um, so Job had this idea. Isn't this incredible? That Job has had this understanding that at the last, in the end, we'll stand upon the earth. Uh, and, and that's a truth that sometimes we forget. We think that, you know, heaven is, um, you know, this, this spiritual Thing and it is a spiritual thing, but it's it's not a non-physical thing. It is a physical thing, and Job had that understanding, and we'll we'll be remembering that as we go through today. That that resurrection is a physical thing, um, and heaven is a physical place. And Job understood this, even in Job chapter nineteen, again the oldest book written. He had that understanding. Turn to Psalm forty-nine. I, I love Psalm forty-nine. And uh, I have Psalm 49, 15 there. But Psalm, uh, verse, verse 15 is so...
so much better if you if you understand verse seven first. Um, so forty nine verse seven. Psalm forty nine verse seven. Truly, no man can ransom another, or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever and never see the pit. In other words. I can't give life for life. If I'm trying to redeem someone, I cannot do that. I don't have the strength. I can't give my life for another. It's not the cost. The ransom of their life is is too costly and it will never suffice. Um, But then verse 15, but God will ransom my soul. So you can't give a human life for another life, but it says in here that God is going to ransom my soul. And that's the life of Christ. As, as we understand through, as scripture rolls out, that's Christ's life is that valuable and can be given as ransom to redeem. So again, verse 15, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol and he will receive me. So God is going to receive us. God is going to pro- provide the ransom price which is Christ's death on the cross. And God is also going to then by that redeem us from the power of Sheol, the power of death, and he will receive us. And so there's this idea of resurrection from the dead, salvation from hell, and a reception into God's presence in the Old Testament. And there's a number of these as well. Um, Isaiah 26, 19, Daniel 12, 2. We won't be going there, but those are really good verses. I encourage you to study them. Um, there's a lot in the New Testament as well. John 5. Let's, let's turn to John 5, um, and we'll look at a couple of those verses just so we can kind of get in our minds this idea that indeed resurrection is, this, is, is an idea that is throughout the scriptures. It's everywhere. It's in the Old Testament. It, it was an understanding of those Old Testament saints. It's in the New Testament. Um, a lot of these, by the way, are, um, I think, the one in Acts and in other verses, um, in, in John even, they are basically talking to people who, um, he, he's reason, they're reasoning with these people who have an understanding from the Old Testament of resurrection. Um, they're not establishing it in the New Testament. They're talking to them um, and reasoning and saying, look, you've, you already understand this from the Old Testament. Here, let's state it again. Let's state this truth again. Um, so John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 says this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Can the dead hear? will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to a resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So they're, they're here they're actually talking about a resurrection of both those who have eternal life and those who will receive eternal damnation. And they're talking about both here. And there's this idea of resurrection. Um, flip over next chapter, chapter 6, verses 39 and 40 says this and this is Jesus speaking and this 
is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so Christ is teaching this idea that we understand from the Old Testament, and he's teaching it to these people. Um, And he says that I will raise all the the ones who the Father has given to me, I will raise them up on the last day. Uh, And that's a hope for us, um, is that, um, you know, not all of us who are here are going to be here. I mean, maybe, maybe Christ is coming back soon, but all, not all of us who are here are going to be here when Christ comes back. We're probably going to die before that. But what's going to happen? We can rest and know that Christ will resurrect us. He will raise us up. Some of us have lost loved ones, right? Christ will raise them up. He has promised that on the last day. Um, and so you get the idea here that this is not simply um, a, a spiritual resurrection. This is a physical resurrection because why would he be talking about this when a while ago, I don't remember when it was, we, we spoke about and we, we learned um, that, uh, what, what verse is it in Hebrews? Um, Absence from the body is presence with the Lord. Right? When we die, our souls, our spirits, whatever you want to call it, uh, are, are present with the Lord right away. And then later on, our bodies are resurrected. Um, and so this is, there's a physical aspect to this. It's not just a spiritual soul-type thing. Um, God made us, and, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but God made us physical and spiritual. Um, the physical is not evil in and of itself. Um, when, when God made the physical world, he said it is good. And when he finally had Adam and Eve, he said, it's very good. He didn't say, this is good, just the spiritual part, and the physical part, no, that's evil, uh, but I had to make it. No, physical nature is not evil in and of itself. Uh, and, and that has kind of come through the history, and, and I feel like even now we have that mindset as, oh, the physical is kind of evil. It's not. God created it and said it was good. It is fallen, and in that sense, it's evil. Um, but it is not intrinsically evil. Um, God made us physical and spiritual. And if, if we are to be resurrected or if we are to go into eternal life and it's just spiritual, we're not us. We're not humans. We're not who God made us. Um, and so, yeah. So the non-Christians, when they pass away... Where does the happens to their spirit while they're waiting for this second for Christ to call them up to send them to condemnation? Yeah, good question. Um, where is their spirit? Their spirit is, and there's, I think I think we went over that, but I'm not sure. There's, they are either in uh, a. How much do we want to get into this? Um, <laughs> look at, I think it's Luke 16. <laughs> Luke, Luke 16. Let's go there, let's go there real quick because it's a fair question. Where are unbelievers? So believers, their spirit is in the presence of the Lord. Unbelievers, where are they? Um, they are in a place of torment 
be that hell or be that a holding tank before hell. Um, you know, there's there's uh, differences there. But this this is some people think that this is a um, verse 19. By the way, is where we're going to be starting. Luke 16. Some people this think this is a parable, but it does not fit the pattern of a parable. Jesus uses um, actual person's name, um, and and it doesn't fit the pattern of a parable. He doesn't say, you know, the, the kingdom is like or anything like that. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted scrumptious, sumpt- sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm had been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And we'll stop there. But I think that gives us a, an idea of the, the people immediately, this is, this is pre-resurrection. He is in anguish. He is in this fire and we don't specifically know what this is. Uh, it says it's Hades, is that um, the eternal hell. Um, Lazarus is not in the eternal heaven uh, because the eternal heaven is, in Revelation we see, it's the new heavens and the new earth. And that happens at a certain time. So it would make sense that this man is not in the eternal hell, um, but, but it is a place of anguish. Um, and so, And I think that... Um, Craig talked about that. I think maybe I wasn't here. But um, the recordings, I believe, are being put on the website. Um, so if you want to go back and read, read through that. Um, but that's, uh, that's a good question. It's there, we do not believe in soul sleep. All right? There's this idea of soul sleep. I'm, I'm kind of redoing the, uh, a previous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to refocus. Um, <laughs> let me just say it real quick. We don't believe in soul sleep. We believe that... Uh, soul sleep is the idea of if you die, you have no memory or recollection or no experience of anything until when Jesus comes back for the final judgment. We don't agree with that because of what we see in Scripture. Um, but we do believe that when the believers die, they go to the Lord's presence, but, but it's not with their final resurrection body. Do they have some sort of body of some sort of type? Seems to be the case, but we, we, we don't know for certain. Um, what about those who don't believe, who, who are unbelievers, uh, who have rejected Christ? Um, what happens to them? They uh, also are in some place of torment. Um, I saw. I was yeah. gonna say, I, I was, you know, where there's no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow in heaven. It almost looks as though we don't look back. We in heaven, not right now. Um, but as the rich man, he was able to look up and saw Lazarus. So it's almost like that's that torment, you know. I'm sure they're hmm. crying their heart out because of their choice. Yeah. But they can see 
the good up here maybe, but we don't see the sorrow below in heaven, right? Or is that not? That's the no, if you look in Revelation 6, I think it is, people do have an idea of what's going on on earth, but it is not a sorrow for us because we have come to a place where we completely trust in God's sovereignty. Uh, And though we see suffering, we know that justice will be done and is being done and God is sovereign. And so we're still at peace um, with with that. Um, So, and I don't know if Craig went over that. Um, A a book that I've been greatly helped by is is a really, it's a pretty thick book, but it's very accessible and you can just go to the question you have. It's Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. And I'll just write that up here. Um, So Randy Alcorn writes some uh, fiction books. I always have to think about fiction, nonfiction. Uh, he writes some fiction stories. <coughs> this is not fiction. Uh, it's basically a, a theology book about heaven. Um, and it's been really helpful for me. Um, I'd, I'd recommend it. So let's focus back on point number two. When will this take place? Um, and number, I just have one point there. And the, the, you know, when will we be glorified? When will we, we receive our resurrection bodies? And the answer is when death is destroyed. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 5. There is, I wish we could, Craig said I could take two weeks on this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take two weeks because... Um, there is so much. Uh, did I say Romans chapter five? Yeah. Okay. Yes, but also First Corinthians fifteen is is really the. the main, we'll we'll get there in a second. Um, Where are we going? Romans? We're going to Romans chapter okay. five. Yeah. So I, I was right. I'm getting ahead of myself in my brain. Um, there are so many passages, so many long passages, just to to dive into in this. But look at Romans chapter five, starting in verse twelve. Uh, Read and study this passage. This is an incredible passage. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Um, Notice that death was not originally in the world. Sin was not originally in the world, but both came in through one man, Adam. Verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. So that's where this condemnation comes in and the judgment comes in, is this one man's sin and the result of that. 
but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned, and currently death is reigning, right? Um, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Um, and so we will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And, and notice it says, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. Just kind of to, to step back a bit. It's being glorified, receiving glorification, um, having eternal life is, a, is an incredible gift and grace. Um, I attempt to discipline my children with um, gospel pictures and gospel truths. Uh, they know the story of Adam and Eve. Um, they know what happened there. And uh, recently, um, one of my children did something they knew was wrong, but they still did it. Nobody ever does that. They they did something they knew it was wrong, but they still did it. And I said, what happened to Adam and Eve when they did something that they knew was wrong? Uh, There was something that they they knew was wrong, but they still did it. What happened? And she said, God sent them out of the garden. Great. Cool. You know. So what should I do now to you? You have done something that you know is wrong. What should I do to you? Right? Right? I mean, we need to understand these truths. As we sin, what should God do to us? He should send us out of his presence. The garden was a place where they were fellowshipping with God. They had perfect peace and fellowship with him. It was a wonderful place. And they sinned. And so God, what he did rightfully and justly, you need to go away from my presence. So my daughter has sinned against me. What should I do? I, just, if I was a, you know, completely justice, you're, you're out of here. I didn't do that. But I want her to understand that my forgiveness of her and my acceptance of her, again, after she has done this thing that she knows is wrong, is grace. And so we need to understand that as well. It, it says here, um, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We have no uh, value in us that has deserved what God has given us. God is going to, to glorify those who know him and love him and, and repent. He, he will glorify us. But it is a huge gift. It is a, we do not, and, and again and again and again we sin. And uh, by his grace, he does not cast us out into eternal fire, but instead brings us in. It's, it's a huge grace. And, and uh, so that's one of the reasons I had mentioned that this should be a hope and an encouragement to us is when we look and, it, and scripture says that we will be glorified then we say we, we are so grateful for that. And, and that is a promise to us, and that will happen in the future. And we look and we say, I don't deserve that. I deserve the complete opposite. We should be praising him, thanking him, uh, 
uh, that, that this indeed will happen. No one deserves it, but it will happen. Um, so, um, but the idea is that the, the glorification of us, this, this reigning in life will happen when death is destroyed. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and this is another passage. Uh, I'd encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians 15. Um, it's just very um, pertinent to this subject of glorification and new bodies. But look at verse 25 and 26. Very similar to what we read in Romans. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This is Christ. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Right? We remember that. Death came into the world through one man, through sin. Death reigned. And death is reigning. And Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, 25, says he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy is death. Jesus needs to put death to death. Um, there's, a, there's a great book in the history uh, of the church that says the death of death in the death of Christ. Um, um, what an incredible phrase and concept. So, but turn over to the end of 1 Corinthians 54 and 55. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. Uh, And I'm going to start in uh, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on, the Im- puts on immortality, then shall come to pass this, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So when will glorification take place? Um, It will take place when sin no longer reigns through death. And I'll give us a more specific like time answer in in a bit. But the concept is is we we want to understand that as well. We can not have glorified bodies when our bodies are being destroyed by death. Um, When God told Adam and Eve, you shall not eat from the fruit of this tree, otherwise you shall die. An acceptable translation of that would be dying, you shall die. In other words, right, we're all all dying, right? I don't think I'm going to have, we're in the process of dying. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have many complaints about that, right? We're all in the process of dying, getting older. Things are breaking. Things are falling apart. Things are not working like they used to. Yeah, Howard, um, Howard Hendricks said that some people think we're in the land of the, the dying on our way to the land. Or no, he said some people think we're in the land of the living mm. on our way to the land of the dying. He said, but if you know Christ, you know that we are actually in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. <laughs> right. 
Right. I probably messed it up, but it was very succinct. Yeah, the, the concept makes sense. Yeah. We are in the land of the dying. Everybody's dying here. We are in the process of dying. But we're on our way to the land of the living. If you know uh, if, if we know Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, as if death is reigning over us and we are in the process of dying, we are not in glorified bodies. We are not in these bodies that are strong and pure and as God intended it um, and imperishable. Um, we are being... Um, death is, is reigning over us and it has its effects in our lives. And so... When death is at last destroyed and, and Christ puts that last enemy under his feet, as it were, it's the idea of a, a, a king who has conquered, placing his foot on you know, his, uh, the, the person who he has conquered or the king that he has conquered and, and then you know, dispatching of, of, that, of that king. Um, that's the idea, is that Christ is going to, um, everything will be under his feet. He will be, have destroyed that um, so when our bodies are raised from the dead we will experience complete victory over the death that came as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve uh, then redemption will be complete so when when is that and we we've talked about a timeline um, and Craig has has drawn these up here before but I mean you you can say this is creation uh, here and then we have the fall, and here's where death comes in. Sin, death, and death then reigns um, from Adam to Moses and, and on out uh, until, you know, you've got the cross, and then, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the different views here, um, but let's, this is the eternal state, um, and here is the final resurrection. I don't know who penned it. I mean, I, I never heard it up to the last year or so. I don't know who penned it. I, I kind of like it yeah, because know. the word heaven, <coughs> especially our culture, we're sitting up on a cloud playing a harp. That's what we think about when we think of heaven. And that's not accurate. And, and scripture uses the word heaven actually in multiple ways. Um, and I, I, I like the word eternal state because that, that helps us... It, it, brings into mind it's it's a state it's an eternal state of things now, i don't know who penned it um but but i'm i'm using it um well it's in grudem's book right uh it could be in grudem's book i'm i'm not 100 percent sure but yeah no, I, i'm sorry and that, is that the same as when you hear people say we are fully sanctified at that point fully changed fully set apart um yes that's that's going to happen um, at yes, yes, and no. Because let's let's say here we are. This is the church age, right? Uh-huh. And let's say that someone dies. Do they and, and they're a believer? Yeah. And they're with the Lord. Do they sin anymore? No. No. They they are in in. You would. I don't think Scripture uses the word glorification in in that sense, 
It's talking about our physical bodies. Okay. But our souls, in one sense, are glorified if we die before this last resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, not, we're in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We have seen, when, when the partial has been done away, um, you know, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And the, the perfect, in one sense, has come. We have seen the Lord. Um, and, and we are sanctified in that sense. Um, so, yes and no. Um, if we live until the resurrection, um, then they happen simultaneously. Um, but, uh, yeah, good, good question. So, after the white throne judgment? The great white throne judgment um, is... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes on here. But what we're talking about is glorification, which happens at the resurrection. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of stuff that go back in the last couple of weeks and, and look at the notes and the, listen to the recordings. We've talked a lot about breaking this down and what happens in here. And I'm not doing that this morning. But there is a point in time when we will be resurrected. Um, and... Uh, you know, the, the, the dead in Christ will rise. Um, and those who remain will also be with the Lord forever. Um, and at that point of the resurrection is when this glorification happens. Um, he, 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 uh, and then we enter into the eternal state. So I'm being a little bit vague, uh, but this is the point at which it happens, at the resurrection, um, when, we, when the dead in Christ are raised. Does that, does that help? It's close enough. Okay. All right. Um, but but that's, that's the idea. Um, so, so tie this back in with all the timelines that we've looked at and the, the different views and where we land um, that have been discussed in the past several weeks. Uh, but but the, the when of when we will receive our resurrection bodies is at the resurrection. Um, when Christ will, uh, and, and this says here, verse 51, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, what? Imperishable. That's not the same body we have now, right? <laughs> That's not the same body we have right now. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Actually, that takes us into to number three. What will our resurrection bodies be like? Um, rewind a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15. We'll read 42 through 44. Um, and, and this entire, again, this, this whole chapter, he's talking about uh, the resurrection of Christ and what that means for us. Since Christ has been raised, we also will be raised. Um, and then the question comes up as like, well, what's, what's it going to be like? What's the body going to be like? And Paul answers that. So look at verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised... I'm actually going to rewind a little bit. I'm going to read verse 35. Why not? It's it's a little bit long, but but I want to to get get some context here. Verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Hey, that's exactly the question we're asking right now. You foolish person. Hmm. Uh, 
What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, for another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. He's talking about this idea of when you plant a seed, it comes to fruition and comes to life in a, a different form. It's tied to that seed. It's from that seed. Um, uh, maybe in today's vernacular, you could say it has the same DNA as that seed, but it looks a whole lot different. It's got life to it. Um, and so that's the idea of the, um, the body we have now and the glorified body that we will have. There is a continuity, um, and that's a question. It's like, is it gonna, how, how are our bodies going to be? Are they going to be very similar, or a little bit similar, or not at all similar to, to how we are right now? We're not going to get into that. Um, but there is, a, there is a bit of continuity in that this passage touches on it so verse 42 now we have kind of a context so it is with the resurrection of the dead he's talking about a seed when 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 the dead essentially go into the ground that's kind of like in a sense a seed being planted in this analogy and then they're going to grow up and they're going to be related but different Um, verse 42 again so it is with the resurrection of the dead what is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable what is sown, uh, it, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Um, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, uh, the last Adam, which is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Um, look at verse 49 as well. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Um, write down Philippians 3, 20 and 21. We're not going to go there, but it, that talks about how um, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his own glory by the power that he has even to... Uh, I was doing well up to that point. By the power that he has, uh, even to subject all things to himself. Um, So it says that Jesus is going to make us like himself. He's going to make our bodies like his body, a a glorified, resurrected body, parallel to to what uh, verse 49 that we just read is talking about. Um, We shall bear the image of the man of heaven. So let's look through these things. It just described what the resurrection body, the the glorified body is going to be like it said it's going to be imperishable praise god it's not going to wear out it's not going to grow old it's not going to be subject to sickness or disease it's going to be completely healthy and strong forever there's going to be no sign of aging um which is <laughs> i hear a whisper Ooh, that's good um you know we have a question of like how old will we be in heaven i don't think it's going to be a question of how old we will be we might be uh, you know a a million years old uh but we won't age 
Uh, we won't have signs of deterioration in our bodies. We are going to grow uh, in spirit. Um, we're going to grow, um, but we're not going to have signs of aging. Uh, so we might be as old as when, when you die, you might just continue aging, uh, you know, in, in that sense. Um, but it's an, it's an interesting question. How old will we be in heaven? We're not going to experience effects of aging. So, um, so this is going to be humanity as God intended it to be. Right? God intended humanity to be. He said when he originally created us, it is very good. But then we fell. Uh, and we're getting back to that. We're getting back to this state of, of how God intended humanity to be. We are going to, at that state, be appropriate bearers of the image of God. We still bear the image of God, but we are fallen as we do so. Um, but then we will be fitting and appropriate bearers of the image of God. Pretty incredible. Uh, and again, this is a gift. You know, we need to remember that is that, that we, we deserve none of this. We deserve damnation. We have sinned and we deserve to be cast out of God's presence. But he has welcomed us in and he has given us eternal life. Um, letter B on your notes, glorious. This body will be glorious. And that's uh, in contrast to dishonor. Um, so you can kind of understand what that's going to be like. Where, where, where is that here? Um, yeah, verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. Our bodies will be glorious. This is the idea of beauty or attractiveness that our bodies are going, are going to bear. It's going to be this um, perfection of our bodies that will receive this um, label that they, they are glorious. It could possibly even be a literal shining radiance, which is an appropriate outward evidence of the position of exaltation and rule over all creation that God has given to us. God, when he originally created Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to protect this garden and I want you to rule over it. I want you to, um, to, to make it more fruitful. I want you to be in charge of this garden, this whole creation that I've given to you. And we didn't do that. Um, and, and Christ fulfilled that. It's interesting to think of how Christ fulfilled the, the creation mandate. Hey, you need to watch over creation. We don't do that. Um, we try, right? We try to take good care of creation, um, but uh, we, we can't do try. that. So, thank you. Yeah, agreed. Some of us try, others, ah, burn that styrofoam. Um, but uh, in the eternal state, we will be able to do that, and we will have that role. And I think next week we'll be talking a little bit about that. How will we fulfill that creation mandate and rule over creation, rule with Christ? Um, but that's the idea of glorious. We will also be powerful. Uh, and this is in contrast to the weakness that we see in our bodies now. Um, we will have strength that is sufficient to do all that we desire to do in conformity with the will of God. I'm glad about that um, because I can't do everything that I e even, uh, I don't have the capacity to do everything that I'm even able to do, if that makes sense. Like I'm looking at something and I'm like, I'm able to do that, but I don't have time. I can't do it. I can't fit all this stuff in. Um, and I know that that would be pleasing to God if I did that thing. And I can't. I do not have the power sufficient 
to do all the things uh, that are in conformity with the will of God. But in our glorified bodies, we will have bodies that are powerful. Um, and it's, it says, um, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. We will have powerful bodies that are, that are able to do, fully do God's will um, as, as he expects of us. Um, it's interesting. It also says, and we need to understand this correctly, Verse 44, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So are we just going to be spiritual? We need to understand this correctly. Um, spiritual, the idea here is fully controlled by the Spirit. Um, it is consistent with the character and activity of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is not, um, I, I put down below questions. What about 1 Corinthians 15, 44? Does this verse mean that we will have spiritual and not physical bodies? Is that, is that what it's talking about? We will be sown a natural body, and we're not going to have a natural body anymore. We're going to have a spiritual body. It's just going to be spiritual. Is that what he's saying? It's not physical, it's spiritual? No, natural is according to the, the flesh, the sinful nature of the fallen flesh. Spiritual is the idea of keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, Paul uses it. If we, if we look, um, you might have been in Craig's and mine class when we were talking about um, uh, hermeneutics, and we need to look at if, if uh, Paul uses a word, it's helpful to look where he uses it elsewhere uh, so we can understand what he means by that. Galatians 6.1 says, You who are spiritual should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, right? Somebody who has sinned or fallen or needs help. You who are spiritual, does that mean, well, I got a physical body, I can't help him, right? When Paul uses the word spiritual, he's not talking about non-physical. He's talking about a level of maturity, a level of keeping in step with the spirit. Uh, And there's other verses that, uh, did I give those to you there? I don't think I did. There's other verses that that you can compare as well. Um, But, what Paul means by spiritual is uh, he means a body that is completely controlled in holy fashion by a mature spiritual person. In other words, we will be walking in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. So such a body it is not at all non-physical. It's a physical body, and it is raised to the degree of perfection for which God originally intended it. Does that make sense? We... This verse is not saying that the, the physical is going to die and we're just going to be spiritual. It's saying that we will have a body that is fully controlled in, uh, by, by spiritual mature people, which will be us. Uh, we are walking in step with the Spirit. Does the ESV also in there in verse 44? Because the NASB does. Um, if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Yes, I didn't read that second part of the verse, but if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I jumped. Go ahead, Ron. Ephesians six. It talks about paragraph twelve. The struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness against the spiritual forces, okay? 
and it goes on from there. So it is a supernatural spirit, spiritual realm that we get our strength to overcome the physical weakness that we have mm-hmm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. The, the, um, if we talk about the life of Christ, um, I, I would say that Christ lived his life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he... Um, a, a huge aspect of, of why he lived the life he lived is because he lived it in complete submission to the Holy Spirit. Um, and if we do that, we also have a holy life. And we will do that. Uh, and that's what this idea is. Is that when we are glorified, when you have our resurrection bodies... We will then be uh, completely controlled by the spiritual um, at the at that time. So and he really didn't get that till he was baptized and received the Holy Spirit, you know, via through John the Baptist. And then we don't get it until Acts two, you know, when we receive the Holy Spirit that put us on that narrow path that only He can guide us on. We receive the Holy Spirit at a certain point in time. Physically. I, I would not say that Jesus received the Holy Spirit at baptism. The, the, the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the, the Father made a pronouncement from heaven. Um, and it does say at that time that you know, the, the Spirit moved him into the wilderness. But I... There, there's a difference between us receiving the Holy Spirit and Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit. Oh, he, absolutely. yeah, um, but but he did. So I, I want to be careful in paralleling those two, because we receive the Holy Spirit as a salvific thing. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, the the Spirit yes. moved upon Jesus, in a, in a, he he was he didn't need to be saved. The Spirit came uh, upon him for an identification purpose. For yeah, God for, would know that this is the one. Right. That's, yep. was, at that time, it was just to identify who he was. Right. Yeah. The one whom you see the Spirit descending on like a dove—that's the one right there. Yeah. Yeah. We we gotta go. Um. <laughs> let's. Uh, is this okay? Mm-hmm. So let. Told you I'd take two weeks. I didn't even. Um, just preview. Yeah. Let me. Let me just. What was that? So, so that that finishes our list. I'll go ahead and pray, uh, and uh, we'll we'll circle back next week. Father, thank you for this concept of glorification, this this teaching, and this doctrine. It is a gracious thing. We do not deserve it, but by your grace, we will be raised to um, eternal life, where we will have these these incredible bodies uh, that are imperishable, that are glorious, that are powerful, and that, that are fully living in line with um, the, 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 the Holy Spirit and his desire and his will for us. Give us encouragement by this, that though our outer man is passing away, um, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day, uh, and eventually it will be fully renewed and we will be living with you. Uh, Bless our time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you, Ross.